Welcome to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. Victory Baptist Church is an exciting, friendly, growing, independent Baptist church located in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. You are about to hear a Bible message from Pastor Jeremy Coburnett that was preached to the congregation of Victory Baptist Church. We trust that you will be blessed as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. We are going to continue our series this morning on the subject of joy for the journey. A couple weeks ago we started and we said, number one, you got to be saved. There's not going to be joy in your life. You'll never have joy if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and if you don't have the assurance you're going to heaven. Then we said the next week, we said that there's a secret to joy and the secret is found in making your relationship with Christ real. You know, I think there's some Christians that I think they just try to walk the walk and talk the talk, but I think they're miserable. You say, well, how do you know? Well, because if you, if you are a Christian, but if you don't really love the Lord and if you don't really have a desire to serve the Lord, you're trying to be something that you're not. And I think there's some people that might be miserable. I hope that's not you. But I'll tell you, the secret to joy is when you make the Christian life 24-7. It's not just a time slot on Sundays, or it's not just a few hours here or there, but the Christian life, it's a wonderful life. And Paul wrote to Timothy, he's talked about his joy being full, and he said, I see that in you, Timothy, there's an unfeigned faith. It's real, it's sincere, and it's genuine. Last Sunday, we had the group with us from Heartland Baptist Bible College, and Brother uh, Rocky Harrell preached did a good job, and that group sang, and I hope that was a blessing to you. Today, we're going to continue our series on joy. Brother Dan read for us Galatians 6, 7 through 10, and we see in this passage that there is joy in sowing. Now, I'm not talking about a needle and thread. I'm talking about sowing seed, and I'm not just talking about literal seed like a farmer would sow, but I'm talking about in our lives Every day we are sowing something. You are investing something with your time. You're investing something with your service. You're investing something with the talents that God has given you. You're sowing seeds of encouragement or you're sowing seeds of discouragement. You're show, sowing seeds of kindness or you're sowing seeds of being unkind or being harsh or being rude. You're sowing seeds of forgiveness or you're sowing seeds of bitterness. You're sowing seeds of love or you're sowing seeds of hatred. But we're all sowing seed. And I'd like to talk to us about the joy that comes in sowing. Lord, help us as we look at your word and I pray you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us. Give us what we need for this day. And Lord, may we know the joy that comes from sowing the way that you have called us to sow and from investing our lives in that which really matters. I thank you that you promised us that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. And Lord, we need to know the joy that comes from sowing and the joy that comes from laboring for you. I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I keep meaning to say, but we've got Micah and Mallory down front with Brother Mike and uh, Miss Cindy. We are so glad to see you. You see, the seeds that you sow, 
and the seeds that I sow, you may think, doesn't matter. Doesn't make a difference. It's no big deal. Can I tell you, the seeds that you sow may be small. They may seem small and they may be small. But can I tell you, the seeds are capable of bringing forth a great and bountiful harvest. There is a law that God shows us in Galatians 6. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And I'll tell you, sometimes we focus on the negative side of that. And I will tell you, the Bible says, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. You will reap what you sow and there are consequences. But I'd like to draw your attention this morning to the positive side of that. You see, when we sow to the Spirit, the Bible says that we will reap also to the Spirit. We will reap to that which is spiritual. Every one of us here this morning, we're investing in some way or somehow. I think about our teachers. You are sowing seeds every single day to your students. I think about parents. You are sowing in your children. Grandparents are sowing in their grandchildren. Coaches are sowing in the players that play on their teams. And bus drivers are sowing in those that ride on their buses. And nursery workers are sowing seeds this morning. And Sunday school teachers and, and those who serve God and those who give. You and I, we are sowing every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not. It ought to be a sobering reminder to us that we are sowing that which is good because we will someday reap according to how we've sown. We must, as Christians, be sowing seeds of kindness. We ought to be sowing seeds of forgiveness. We ought to be sowing seeds of love and seeds of mercy. And we ought to be sowing every day and every uh, time we have an opportunity, seeds of the gospel. You know, it's interesting. Jesus gave us the parable of the sower. And he said that in that parable, he said the sower was sowing seed. And he said the seed is the word of God. Can I tell you, I'm glad when we sow the seeds of the gospel. When you pass out a gospel track or you give someone a Bible verse or you give someone a gospel witness, can I tell you, these seeds, they will bring forth a harvest. You and I will reap according to how we have sown the good news of the gospel. Number one, I'd like for you to see in this passage the truth of sowing. The truth of sowing. It says in verse number seven, be not deceived. Have you ever been deceived by someone? Have you ever been fooled by someone? Maybe it was, and I know not all salesmen are bad. I understand that. But unfortunately, there are some that maybe will tell you one thing, and then you make the purchase and you find out it's not what you thought it was. Maybe it was a business opportunity or maybe it was an investment and someone deceived you. Someone tricked you. Someone pulled the wool over your eyes and they fooled you. Maybe someone gave you a sob story. And I think we've all, we've all been through that and I just need this and it's this happened and this person did this and... Uh, you know, you hear them all the time. I'm broken down and my, my family member's in the hospital and this, that, and the other. And you've heard it all. We've all heard it. But have you ever been deceived? God gave us a warning in this passage and he said, here's a warning label. Be not deceived. I was reading this week of some actually uh, some humorous actual warning labels that people have found on items. 
Here's one. This was found on a 13-inch wheel on a wheelbarrow, and it said, not intended for highway use. That's good to know. If you, your car gets a flat tire, don't take the wheel off the wheelbarrow and stick it on your car. I certainly don't think you ought to be pushing your wheelbarrow down the highway, but it's not intended for that. It's good to know. Here was a good one. Not, oh, no, no, I read you, not intended for highway use. Here's one. This may irritate eyes. Found on a self-defense can of pepper spray. This may irritate your eyes. If you, I think it would. That's what it's for, pepper spray. Here's one. Please keep out of children. Now, I think it was supposed to be keep out of reach of children, but the warning label mixed it up. And they said, please keep out of children found on a butcher knife. Now, that's a very good warning. Yes, that would be good to follow that. Here's one. This was found on a child-sized Superman costume for Halloween. It said, wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. Good to know. I'm glad for that warning. Here's one. May be harmful if swallowed. Found on a shipment of hammers. May be harmful if swallowed. Yeah, I think so. And then here's one. Warning. This has been known to cause cancer in laboratory mice, and it was found on a box of rat poison. So there's some warning labels that might be a little odd or a little crazy or may or may not be true or may there, maybe there's a mistake or maybe it's not all it's supposed to be. But I'll tell you this, when God puts a warning label on something, His warning is absolutely necessary and it is absolutely accurate. God says, be not deceived. The truth of sowing, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap you and i we will reap what we sow it's a fact it's a promise it is a guarantee i i, I mentioned in the early service i feel bad sometimes for athletes i feel bad for people in the sports world because they will spend their whole lives preparing for the olympics or they'll spend their whole lives preparing for a professional career and one injury and it's all gone or a coach prepares a team and one bad call or one mistake or one turnover can completely change the outcome for that team. But I want to tell you, when it comes to the laws of sowing and reaping, there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as accidents. There's no such things as whoops. God does not make a mistake. And when he says that you and I, we will reap what we sow, God is absolutely telling you the truth. It will happen. It's a promise. It is a guarantee. The verse says God is not mocked. That word mocked, it's the idea of, of imitating someone and laughing at them. You know, someone does something and then we kind of imitate them and we laugh and, uh, you know, ha ha, you know, you messed up or you misspoke or you did this wrong. It's the idea of ridiculing someone. I want to tell you, God is not mocked. And this world likes to mock God. And this world, world likes to say that God doesn't know what he's talking about. And God's not real and God's word is all just a bunch of nonsense. But I got news for you. It will come to pass what God said in his word. It is True from cover to cover, be not deceived. God is not mocked. That's the truth of sowing. You will reap what you sow. 
The second thing I see very quickly is the type of sowing. You see, we must sow, but it matters what we sow. Verse 8, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You have a choice what you sow. You have a choice how you live. You have a choice how you act. You have a choice what comes out of your mouth. Don't, don't blame it on God. Well, God just made me to be this kind of personality. God didn't make you to be negative. That's your choice. God didn't make you to be uh, depressed, and God didn't make you to be defeated, and God didn't make your life miserable. That's your choice. That's my choice. What we sow matters, the type of sowing. I've told you the story. A man in our church in Illinois years ago, uh, Earl Storm, he was in his 80s, and my wife and I, we had just gotten married, and, and uh, he liked to take us out to eat. We'd go maybe once or twice a year, about 20, 30 minutes away to a, 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 a kind of like a, Ryan Steakhouse kind of a place. I think it was Old Country Buffet. I forget what the name of it was. But we'd go there and we just would chat with him. He'd been married for about 60 years and his wife had recently passed away. And I remember just one time in conversation, we were just talking and just said, I said, Mr. Storm, you know, I just got married. And, you know, tell, me, tell me some advice. You know, what can you help me with? And he said, well, he said, I'll tell you this. He said, in life, he said, you get out of something what you put into something. That's some good advice. You know what he was saying about a marriage? You reap what you sow. And I understand there are situations, I understand there are circumstances, and I understand people do crazy things, but you know, for the most part, we, we, we reap what we sow in a marriage, in a home, in a business, in a church, in a ministry. What we put into that is what normally we get back out of it. May God help us in our sowing that our sowing would be the right kind of sowing. Sowing requires tenderness. The Bible says in Hosea 10, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. You know, if our sowing is going to be effective, there must be soft, tender ground. You don't go plant a garden with rock-hard soil. You go through first and you till it. You get that soil soft, and, 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 and sowing requires tenderness. Sowing requires tears. The Bible says in Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those tears, that's like the moisture. Again, a seed is not going to grow if it's dry. A seed is not going to grow uh, if there's no rain, if there's no moisture. But that sowing requires tears, and sowing requires the touch of the Son, capital S-U-N and capital S-O-N, the Son of God, the Son of Righteousness that Malachi 4, 2 talks about. The type of sowing matters. Number three, I see the tenacity of sowing. It says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. You know, I think if we're honest, we all get weary. I'm not even talking about hardships. I'm not talking about difficulties. I'm talking about just the day-to-day. -day. Sometimes you... Now, now, please don't say amen to this one. But sometimes you don't feel like being kind to your spouse. Sometimes. I heard that grunt from the back. I don't know who it was, but if your spouse is next to you, they know who it was. Sometimes you don't feel like being kind to your children. 
Sometimes you don't feel like going to work. Sometimes you don't feel like doing what you're supposed to do. Sometimes you get weary and well-doing, and so do I. You say, why is that? Because we're human. It's because we're flesh and blood. It's because that's our tendency. That's our nature that uh, over time we get weary with something. But can I tell you, the tenacity of sowing, God says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Don't give up. If you're here and you say, I've been sowing seeds in my children and sowing seeds in my marriage and sowing seeds in ministry and I've been sowing seeds in my job for so long and it seems like nothing's happening. It seems like no good is coming of it. It seems like nothing is making a difference. I want to tell you, it requires some tenacity. Don't quit. Stay in the fight. Stay in the battle. Keep on going. Don't give up and don't throw in the towel. Sometimes the conditions are difficult. Ask the farmer. But even when the conditions are difficult, you keep going. Sometimes it's difficult as a parent. You're trying to teach your child and you're trying to read the Bible and pray with your children. And sometimes it's difficult to do what's right. But keep on going. It's not always easy to get your children to church on Sunday morning. It's difficult sometimes. For some of us, it's difficult all the time. But you keep on going. It's difficult to be a Christian and it takes work and it requires effort. It takes faithfulness and determination to read your Bible. It takes determination to pray and determination to give and serve God. But there must be some tenacity. Nobody ever said it would be easy, but I'll promise you this, it's worth it. It's worth it to do what's right and not be weary in well-doing. Just keep on going. Number four, I see quickly the test of sowing. The test of sowing in Galatians 6, 9, we shall reap, the Bible says, if we faint not. You see, if you, if you sow and you get to a certain part of that field and you stop sowing, you quit, you give up, well, you're not going to reap in that part where you don't sow. If you get weary, if you quit, if you faint, if you throw in the towel, that will affect what you reap and that will affect what I reap. Sometimes it takes a while. Now, I am not a gardener and I am not a farmer and I'll reveal that to you in a moment with my ignorance, but I had to look up this week. I had to look up and see how long it even takes for certain things to grow. And you know what I discovered? I discovered there are some things you can plant in your garden and within about three or four weeks, they're already coming up. Some things. But then there's some things that it takes five or six weeks. Some take seven or eight. Some take 10 or 12. Some take longer. And the problem is with, well, some of us, not all of us are like this. Some, some of you, just looking around, trying to get a good feel for who's here. I just, I don't want to give a general statement on this. Some of us in this room, I shouldn't say some of us, some of you in this room, you don't mind waiting. You, as a matter of fact, you like to wait. I know how you are. You go to the doctor's office and you sign in and you say, listen, I don't want the doctor to call me right away. I'd like to wait here for about four or five hours. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if someone else comes in and they're running late and you want to stick them in my spot, I'll, I'll be here all day. As a matter of fact, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll wait again tomorrow if you need me to. Some of you are like that. Some of you, you get to the drive-thru and you say, um, excuse me, would you mind if I just pulled forward and waited a little longer for my order? Even if it's ready, I just, I just like to wait. 
And I just get everybody else's order. Don't even worry about mine. I just ordered a cheeseburger and a you know, small drink. But I'll just be waiting up here. I, I like to wait. Some, some of you are like that. Huh, yeah, right. I'd like to meet you. You know what the truth is? None of us like to wait, if we're honest. None of us like to wait more than two seconds. We want it now, right? It's like, give it to me, and I want it yesterday. I'm in a hurry. But with sowing and reaping, there must be patience. There's the test of sowing. That reaping doesn't always come right away. Those farmers, they plow the ground and they plant the seed. But then there's a time where all they can do, I know they're working, I know they're super busy with everything else, but there's time where they just have to wait for God to do the work of bringing forth the harvest. Number five, I see the triumph of sowing. It says in verse number nine, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we might reap. Is that what it says? We possibly could reap? It says we shall reap. That's a promise. And let me remind you who's writing and recording this promise for us. It's the Holy Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul to the church of Galatia. He says, I'm letting you know from God that you shall reap if you faint not. There's a promise of triumph. There's a promise of victory. That's the joy. That's the reason the farmer plants the ground. That's the reason the teacher teaches. Not so that the children fail your class. You teach so the children will pass your class. That's why the parents teach their children, not so that children don't learn anything, but so children will grow up to love and serve God and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There must be an eye on the prize. I'm looking for victory. I'm looking for triumph. And I know that I shall reap if I faint not. And I tell you this, the promise comes from God. And the promise has to come from God because there's some things that we can do. We can sow. Brother, Brother Morris, you can plant the seed. You can plow the ground and get it all ready before and you can plant that seed and you can fertilize and you can do all that stuff. But not one person in here can make a harvest grow. God has to do that. And we have to wait on God and we have to rely upon God and the triumph and the, the victory and the success of sowing is when the harvest comes. That's why we sow. We must believe that God can. We must not lose faith. Sometimes it is discouraging because you sow and you sow and you sow and you don't see results. Sometimes you work and you work and you work and nothing happens. Sometimes you pray and you pray and you pray and there's no answer. And sometimes you knock on doors and pass out tracks and nobody listens. And sometimes you teach a class and you think, does anybody even care? And sometimes you preach a sermon and you say, well, that was a dud. And sometimes you sing a solo and you say, I don't even think they knew what I was singing. And sometimes you drive a bus and you think nobody even knows. And sometimes you serve in a nursery and it seems like nobody cares. And sometimes you work in the sound booth and nobody even knows you're there until something goes wrong. And then everybody's blaming you. But can I tell you, there's triumph in sowing. There's victory in sowing. There's joy in sowing because the harvest will come and God said it would. And we must believe that God keeps his promise. There was a man who was teaching in college. His very first year teaching in college. He had just finished his graduate program and he got his first uh, teaching schedule to teach. And it was opening day. 
for that semester. And on that opening day, the students were signing up for classes, and he had his schedule of the classes he was going to teach. And one of the other teachers came to him, and they said, how in the world did you get that class? And the teacher said, what are you talking about? He said, that's the best. He said, they gave you a rookie teacher, a brand new first year teacher. They gave you section two. He said, what's section two? The, the, the other teacher said, oh, he said, let me tell you what section two is. He said, that's the honors class. That's the very best GPAs of the students coming in. It's the best students. It's the cream of the crop. He said, that's the best class to teach. And they gave that to you. Wow. Aren't you amazing? And the teacher said, well, I don't know how I got it. And he said, okay, well, you're going to love it. So he got in. He had section one, section two, and section three. But section two was that one he was excited about. He had section one and section one. They were good students. It was just so-so. And section two, they were phenomenal. Just like that fellow teacher had said. He said, wow, he was not lying. These students, they are into it. They are focused. Then he went to section three and he taught section three of uh, those students and he said that was, that was okay. He was loving it and about halfway through the semester he ran into the academic dean and the academic dean just struck up, uh, struck up conversation with him and said, hey, how's it going with your teaching? He said, well, sir, he said, I'll tell you. He said, I love my classes, I love the students. He said, but there's that one class, section two. He said, they're phenomenal. He said, they are doing so well. He said, I look forward to it. He said, I get to class, and he said, they, they soak it up. Uh, the, the, their, their, their attention is there, and they, they do such a good job. Their grades are good. Their assignments are incredible. He said, I, I love that class. Thank you for letting me teach Section 2 this semester. The academic dean just stared at him. He said, well, he said, you're welcome, but he said, we don't have a Section 2 program anymore. He said, we canceled that last year. He said, those students are the same as all the rest. He said, we took the, the, the top students and we just spread them out through all three of the sections. He said, there's not just one, one section that's, that's better than anybody else now. And the teacher said, oh, this guy's pulling my leg. And so he went to the office. He wanted to verify. He said, now tell me something. He said, we do have a section two still in this college, right? And the uh, secretary there in the office, she looked at him and said, no. She said, we canceled that last year. That teacher couldn't believe it. Because he saw a difference. But the difference was not in the students. The difference was in the teacher. The difference was that the teacher believed the best about those students. He believed that they were the smartest. And he believed they were the brightest. And he believed that they wanted, believed that they wanted it more. And therefore, he poured more of himself into them. And guess what happened? What he put into it, he got back out of it. And can I tell you, as we sow the seed... We're not counting on our own efforts. We're not counting on our own ability. We're not counting on our own experiences. We're not even counting on the fact that everybody's going to love us and everybody's going to think we're the greatest thing. As we're sowing the seed, we're counting on the promise of God that we shall reap if we faint not. Can I tell you, I'm glad for the triumph of sowing. Lastly, I see number six. It's found in verse number 10. I see the time for sowing says in verse number 10, and as we have, therefore, opportunity. Oh hang, oh, hang on. Whoa, 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 hang on. You see what that verse says? 
let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. But then verse 10 says, hang, hang on, listen. As we have opportunity. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there is a time that we have to sow. But eventually that time will end. I don't think about this every service, but I do think about it most services. When I stand behind this pulpit, I understand that this could be the last time I'll get to preach the Word of God. I do understand that this could be my last day to be a pastor. This could be my last day to be a husband. This could be my last day to be a father. This could be my last day to serve God. And you know what that does? Boy, that motivates me. I want to seize the time and seize the opportunity while God has given me. This may be your last opportunity to get saved. This may be your last opportunity to get right with the Lord. I don't know. This may be your last opportunity to sow those seeds of kindness and encouragement and forgiveness because eventually the time for sowing and the time for reaping is going to be all done. Eventually, we will breathe our last breath. Someday that trumpet's going to sound and our sowing and our, our serving God will be all over. So the time for sowing is right now. We're not guaranteed of tomorrow, but we've been given today. The songwriter put it like this. So little time, the harvest will be over. Our reaping done, we reapers taken home. Report our work to Jesus, Lord of harvest, and hope he'll smile and that he'll say well done. The chorus says, today we reap or miss our golden harvest. Today is given us some lost soul to win. Oh, then to save some dear ones from the burning, today we'll go to bring some sinner in. Can I tell you, God's given us an opportunity. And we can so enjoy because we know there's a promise and there is a triumph and we know there's a, a success and a, a harvest that comes from sowing and we can have joy for the journey. But can I tell you, there's no joy if we're not sowing and if we're not serving and if we're not doing those things that God has called us to do while we have the time. Whether we realize it or not, we are all just a heartbeat away from eternity. Do you know for sure where you will spend eternity? God's Word tells us that we can know for sure that heaven is our home. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. The Bible tells us that we must recognize that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We must also realize that there is a penalty for our sin. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of our sin is death. Obviously, we're all going to die someday. But that death is more than a physical death. It's a spiritual death. It's an eternal separation from God. The good news, however, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sin so that we could know for sure that heaven is our home. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
the last thing that you have to know in order to be sure that heaven is your home is there must be a time that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'd encourage you today to be sure where you will spend eternity. I'd encourage you to make sure that your faith and your trust is placed completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. We hope that these messages are a help to you in your spiritual life. We are located at 2360 Bowling Road in Roanoke Rapids. Our Sunday school classes begin at 10 a.m. Sunday morning service is at 11 a.m. Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Or Wednesday evening prayer meeting and Bible study begins at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, please contact us at 252-537-5973. You can also visit us online at vbcrr.org. Please tune in again next week at this same time. And on behalf of everyone at Victory Baptist Church, God bless you. And thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast.